You're listening to the Coach T Podcast hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. I am your host, Isaiah Thomas. And today I have head coach of the Otisville, La- Otisville Lakeville Falcons, Dan Hugler. How are you doing today, Coach? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to have you. Um, you, uh, We met about three years ago at Coach Mills Coaching Summit, I would say, um, where we got to exchange ideas and be around some pretty good coaches and Coach Mills and Coach Kreps. Um, and God, I can't remember Cedar Springs coach's name. He's really great too. <laughs> Hall of Famer and, and won yep. a state title with them, but Lonnie, Armstrong. it was great. Yes, there we go. Lonnie. And it was great learning from those guys. And, and we've got to talk and we have kind of a, um, a mutual connection there. So, uh, glad to have you on the show and everything else. Uh, you've been at Oldsville Lakeville as the head coach for seven years now. Uh, I think it's, I think it's been eight. Yeah. Eight, eight years, and uh, you've had a tremendous success with multiple state qualifiers and state placers, including uh, it's going to be a really good treat because you're one of the coaches that have actually coached your own son or child in the sport. So yeah. it'll be interesting to pick your brain about that and, and going from there. But first, tell us about how you got started in the sport of wrestling. Well, you know, I started uh, in middle school. Um, I was our our wrestling program we had a you know we had a wrestling club that that uh they had club in like this middle school we had a stage and uh so it was up on the stage and uh that was kind of kind of interesting for me because as a kid you know uh, watching wwf and all that stuff and then here the stage <laughs> just sounded so loud when the kids are banging and falling off of it and everything uh-huh. else and i said what in the heck is that and uh, my sister's uh, cross country coaches were kind of younger guys and they were twins and they were, ha- they were awesome wrestlers and uh, they were one three, you know, uh, pounders. And, um, but uh, so they, she said, Oh, you got to meet these guys. And, and uh, they were running the club. So they kind of got me to stick around for one. They said, just try one practice, you know? So I, I loved it right off the bat and um, found that a lot of my friends were doing it. So I got involved in club and then i found out about the middle school wrestling season and things so i joined kind of i would say in in today's standards late but uh you know i'd also say as a coach it's never too late to join right right and uh so that's kind of how it started for me um and uh it's just grown since Mm -hmm. well that's good i mean one of the things that i've noticed through a lot of my uh the people that i've interviewed is that everybody's story is unique to how they got into the sport. Um, whether you were one to start off as a three or four year old, or maybe you got in as a high schooler. So it's really interesting how the paths, there's not one set path to getting into the sport of wrestling and being successful, whether you're an athlete an official or a coach. So I, I always find that very interesting. So tell me how you got your start into coaching. Well, coaching for me uh, is kind of, a, a different path for a lot of our head coaches. Maybe, I don't know, maybe not, but uh, which by the way, I'm really enjoying these podcasts that you're doing because I get to hear from all these other coaches and, and their walks of life and how they got introduced to the sport, but then uh, get to, you know, you mentioned picking, picking coaches brains. I just really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I got that from Larry Powell's the one that um, I've talked about him a bit, a uh, hall of famer, uh, 
wrestled for the Michigan School for the Blind and was a longtime assistant coach with Mason and Holt. But he was always said, whenever you go to a camp or you talk, you always want to pick their brain and, and find out what makes them so successful, whether it's a move or a philosophy. So that's that I got to give that up to Mr. Powell. He's the one that really pushed me in that direction. You know, he's got it. You got to do a, a podcast with him. He's such an amazing. <laughs> you want to talk about a student of the sport. I talk to the kids all the time about him. You know, he's here he is. He's he's retired coach. He's done everything in his wrestling life that most people would think he needs to do. But yet you get on the phone with that guy. And the first thing he wants to know is what's the latest? What's the latest? You know, with wrestling, what what moves are you working on? Uh-huh. But uh, anyways, yeah. So getting into coaching, uh, my my passion was football and uh, my dream was to go to college and uh, play football and come back and teach at Lakeville and coach football. And, uh, I had, uh, I, I liked wrestling, but my passion was really football and coaching football. So being on the college campus at Elma, uh, you know, I wanted to be a part of the football program in every way as far as, but my, my dreams weren't, wasn't like to go on to be a pro football player or something like that. I, I really, since the very first day I was on campus, I wanted to be a coach. And, uh, but it's, it's really interesting because God had other plans for me. I think, um, you know, I had awesome coaches at Alma college coach, Jim Cole and, and John Leister and these guys just, I watched and learned and I took classes at Alma on, on coaching and, and everything was, was directed towards this whole dream of football. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I, uh, when I hired in at Lakeville, um, the, it wasn't a week into my first first week of teaching and and uh, gary martin my old wrestling coach found me in the hallway and and he's a teacher and he said hey how about coaching wrestling you know and i said <laughs> man i tell you what coach i said i know it's it's every weekend it's every day it's it's year round and and i knew the commitment level and what it was going to take and how hard he worked and things and i just said i'm, I'm not really interested and he said look he said i need you as an assistant and he saw in me uh, something I didn't see, but also he kind of recognized that, and this is something interesting that I think all of us as coaches should see is that not every, when we're looking for coaches, we're not looking for uh, every coach to be the technique guy or every coach to be the um, the head coach, right? You're looking for what each coach is, is skilled at and try to develop that skill and, and how you can utilize that best for your team. And uh, so Coach Martin saw something in me that that he might have needed. I, I don't know, but uh, so he kept asking me about it and asking. He said, "Why don't you just commit to um, being a, a middle school assistant coach?" You know, and I said, "All right, I can do that." I didn't want to let him down. And that year, uh, um, you know, they they ended up getting another head head football coach. I don't. Know, we've had we've had probably twelve head football coaches, and you know in uh, 20 years at Lakeville, it's, it's kind of a, we got a great football coach now he's involved in everything, but, but, mm-hmm. uh, the, the path for football just wasn't, wasn't there. And, uh, um, right. anyway, so, uh, coach Martin got me into assistant coaching and, and, uh, then he stepped down, resigned or retired. And, uh, my, one of the assistant coaches who was always a part of our, our lives at Lakeville, he'd been around for 30 years, took over as the head coach and, and, um, Jeff Pickens was his name and he asked if I'd join him on the varsity staff. And by then I, I realized that what part of coaching I really liked was, was working with kids 
and, and seeing their growth and developing them. And it didn't really matter what sport I was coaching. I wanted to be, uh, be involved in these kids' lives. I wanted to help them. And, and, uh, so, uh, I, I took a step back away from football and, and took a greater step towards wrestling and, um, really started working with, with him more and, uh, seeing that he needed, uh, there was, there was things that coach Pickens was really great at as a coach. And then there were some things that he needed help with. And one of them was player development, just, just interpersonal relationships, working with kids, building a team. Cause we had at the time, uh, five or six kids on the wrestling team. And, um, you know, I, I knew we could grow those numbers. So I really wanted to take uh, a bigger role in just helping him not necessarily desiring to be the head coach, but just how could I be a great assistant coach to him? Wow. It's, it, it's, it's pretty interesting how, so you, you go back to your, to your alma mater and you have these dreams of being this football coach and then you end up being slowly imprinting on the wrestling program and culture. What was it like? So you're, you were assistant for how long? Man, I was assistant for, uh, well, I've been, at, I've been teaching at Lakeville for 20 years, so not a math teacher. So <laughs> uh, I, I can, know. I can say I was a math teacher for summer school this year, so <laughs> I'm good with numbers. <laughs> I don't know. I was assistant for, for as long as, uh, before I was the head coach. So from the day, you know, I started to one, but it was a lot of years yeah, to 10, 15 years, but. So when the head coaching job opened up, you felt like you were prepared, you were ready to, to go in and, and be the, be the, be the person, right? Well, here's the thing, you know, I was, I was very content being the assistant coach and, and any advice I give to anyone listening today is if you're aspiring to be a head coach, that's great. If you're an assistant coach, be content with that and, and have dreams and goals and keep working towards being a head coach. But do whatever you're going to do, do 100% and do it to the best of your ability. So here's an example. I was sitting in my classroom and looking out my window in my classroom, I could see the football stadium. Mm-hmm. And I saw this old man going to the football stadium every morning for a week, and he was working on the press box. So finally in my prep period, I got down, I walked over to him, and his name was Bob. I said, Bob, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm, I'm uh, tired of filming, Bob. Bob, this guy, Bob, he, he did all the filming for all the football levels right. and uh, just volunteered, never took a dime. He said, you know, I'm tired of filming through this hazy glass on the press box. So I'm having it replaced and me automatically thinking, you know, well, how the heck who's paying for this? Cause you know, and I found <laughs> out, you know, he, he's paying for it for himself. He's paying out of his own money. Here's this mm-hmm. guy. He's retired, older gentleman filming all these games for free. Doesn't ask for anything. And right. there he's, he's replacing the glass on the press box so he can continue to do his volunteer job to the best of his ability. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, that was like the, the light bulb switch moment where I just, I said, this is, I got it. I get it now. Instead of just being a, an average assistant coach and just doing, doing whatever the coach asked me to, I'm going to start looking for other ways. So I, I kid you not that day, I, I got a hold of coach Pickens. I said, coach, how could I, how could I help you? What can I do uh, to make your job better and, and to help our team? And from that point on, that's when I started getting in with guys like Dave Mills 
and mm-hmm. really started working on uh, coaching development and personal development. And I, I started forming mentors that, uh, that I could see. Some of them I've never even met. Some of my mentors I still haven't met. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, guys like Tony Dungy. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> just get a hold of every book, everything I can get a hold of. You know, mm-hmm. you've introduced me today to these podcasts, and now I'm on, I'm on these podcasts, and I'm listening to some of these guys I might not ever meet. I was able to meet Dan Gable this couple of weeks ago. That was pretty awesome. Uh, the goat. I actually in one of my classes I do a um, quote analysis, and I talk about Dan Gable and kind of his mindset and how successful, accomplished wise as a coach. But you look at the great people he produced over the 21 years he was the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. So. Phenomenal. And Tony Dungy, thank you for mentioning Tony Dungy because Tony Dungy is one of my favorite coaching mentors. One, he's a Michigan guy. He grew up in Jackson, Michigan, went to Parkside High School before it became a middle school. And um, I just always I have all his books and his his belief in himself and his system and how he wants to produce better people. I mean, that should be the total goal of any coach, educator, etc. You're in a business like us being educators. Our goal is to get our kids, our athletes, our students to be the best versions of themselves and to be the role models for the future generations to look up to. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, we're in a situation at our school. I don't know. I I really like it. We have a a, like almost like a study hall. It's called seminar. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I read to the kids, to the students once a week. I'll read to them during their study hall and and I'll grab a book from Tony Dungy. And we'll just read one chapter. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but doing that personal development, mentor development, uh, you know, I, that really started for me when I, when I started seeing this, this guy, Bob, just, just doing something out of the uncommon, right. From Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, uh, but so, so I, I really started just trying to be a head coach without really wanting to be a head coach, but doing, doing things like stand after and, and uh, and and mopping the mats so coach doesn't have to and and realizing mm-hmm. that starting to find out what a head coach really does and and uh, what's important that that people don't see and uh, looking looking as an assistant coach but looking through the lens of of a head coach and just seeing and uh, you know what do I need to do if I really want to be a head coach there's some things I need to do one of the things I tell our kids all the time is leaders lead from the front. If you, you know, if being a captain on our team is a big deal, I'm sure it is on everyone's Mm -hmm. uh, kids don't vote on it. Uh, You know, the the coaches, the coaches choose the captains and captains, captains are, are made captains through, through the correct choices and, and the, the things that they do in their life throughout, throughout their career. It's like a long, long uh, time uh, job interview. Uh, right we just we're constantly looking for who who could be that next captain but uh so i always tell the kids i said if you think that just because you're a senior or because you've you've won a state title now all of a sudden you've you okay i'm ready to be a captain that that's not that's not going to make you a captain uh don't don't say when i become a captain then i'm going to stay after and clean the toilets or i'm going to stay after and mop the mats when I'm a captain, I'll start picking up trash. Or when I'm a captain, I'm going to encourage my teammates or put extra time in because you'll never be one. And, uh, and that, that's directly from my experience as an assistant coach becoming a head coach was 
I was never going to become a head coach if I didn't already start doing those things to, uh, to, to become uh, an efficient head coach. So those of you guys listening today, don't wait. Uh, if you want to be a head coach, you know, start working at it now. One of the things I really hear sometimes I'm at a wrestling tournament or something, and I'll hear an assistant coach bad mouthing their head coach, you know, and I'm like, man, if it's that bad, why aren't you doing something to make it better? Right. You know, all those kids, man, they, they don't know how to do a takedown. Well, did you stay after and work with those kids on a takedown? You know, I'm sure your coach would probably have a heart attack if you asked him if you could stay later and work with the kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mention that because, um, you know, for five years, I was Steve Goss's uh, assistant coach at Bay State Western. And I talked a little about this in a, in a previous podcast. But, you know, me and Steve, philosophy-wise, were a little bit different. But my goal is always like he is the head coach. He makes those decisions, and whatever I need to do to make the program better, that's what I'm going to do. I'll voice my opinion, and that's what an assistant coach should be able to do is voice their opinion. But once it's the coach has made its his decision or their decision, you move on and you follow the coach's plan. We we had a situation where one of our athletes, this is the year we made it to team regionals, he refused. After losing a match in one of our uh, quad meets, he refused to wrestle the next match. And our coach said, like, if you don't wrestle this next match, you will not wrestle at conference, which at that time he was a three-time finalist uh, for conference. And um, wow. I remember our conversations between myself and, and, and Coach Goss at the time saying, we should just kick him off. He's... He's just a distraction. He said, no, we're not going to kick him off. Mm-hmm. He will feel so hurt and disappointed that he didn't get to wrestle at conference. He's going to be a different kid when he comes back. And he was right. The kid came back more focused, and he was one of the key cogs in us making it to Team States that year. Wow. Yeah. You know, talking about coaches being able to voice their opinion, um, developing, developing your staff as a head coach is important, too. And, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned how Gary Martin was looking. My, my coach kind of saw something in me that, that I didn't see in myself and something he needed for the program. And uh, so one of the things we do at Lakeville is we'll have a, a coach's dinner where I just take the coaches out. It's, it's not during the season. It's in the off season when things settle down, if, it, if that ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's non it's just, it, it's just non-confrontational. Not that we just get together. It's, it's, uh, we'll have a dinner, we'll sit down and, and we, and after things kind of settle down at the dinner, then, then I ask them the question of how can I support you better? What, what can we, you know, what, what do you feel like, uh, our program needs? And, and sometimes it segues into goal setting for the season. Sometimes it doesn't, but I, I want our coaches to all feel like they have, they have a say in our program. And that they also, uh, that they're important and, uh, Hey, we wouldn't have hired them. Right. If we didn't feel like they were right. like they were important. So I spending time with your coaches and, and allowing them to have a voice and opinion and, and, uh, and things that are important and, and goal setting with them is just as important and making sure that they have mentors too. Right. I think every coach should have, have a set of people that they go to people that they can contact and then people that, that it might not even have anything to do with wrestling. Um, you know, uh, Oren Woodward, I don't know if you know Oren, but he's one of the gurus in leadership in the world today. Uh, uh-huh. Google him, look him up. I'd love to look him up. Yeah. 
Oren Woodward. Yeah, he's an amazing person. He's a Lakeville graduate and uh, just on the New York Times bestsellers list, everything else. And and uh, our connection isn't isn't through wrestling. I mean, he wrestled for Lakeville and things, but our, our true connection is just through uh, his relationship with Christ and mine. Uh, we have a kindred spirit there, but, uh, he, he's on developing, uh, coaches, developing business leaders, developing anyone that wants to be a leader. He, he develops and trains. And, uh, so I I've gotten to listen to a lot of his, his podcast now, uh, since, since you've got me going on these podcasts, and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, reading his books, things like that, but having, having these guys around you and girls around you that, that, um, that you can go to for support is really important. I, I agree. Um, Coach Smith of Frankfurt had mentioned, and this is one of those things where we talk about, you know, trying to come up with different ideas for the podcast. And um, one of the things she mentioned in her podcast was about a wrestling mentorship program. I heard she that. Feels like, yeah. yeah she, she feels like a lot of the, the young coaches really don't have anybody to go to. And I explained my situation when I became a head coach, like I reached out to pretty much everybody I knew from from Larry Powell to Mark Jinks, my high school coach, even Mitch Hancock of CC, yeah. which I have to give Mitch and RJ Boudreaux also. Um, Mitch, I talk very I mean, the guy is a phenomenal, phenomenal person. Yeah. And I remember yeah. the first email I sent to him saying, hey. How do you replace a legend? Because he replaced Coach Rodriguez at right. CC. I was replacing um, an alumnus and Steve Goss at Western. And he, within like 20 minutes of me sending the email, he already had a response. And, and wow. me and Mitch uh, still connect even today. And, and I, I feel like the young coaches are kind of hesitant mm-hmm. to approach these highly successful coaches. And they're just like you and me. They're they're normal people, and they want to grow the sport, and they or do anything that they can to help you be successful. Yeah, no, and boy, listening to the coach Smith, boy, that she is so passionate and uh, yes. motivating, and uh, yeah, and and the things that she's doing with her program, I just I, I really look forward. I hope to get to meet her someday. You know, you mentioned how we met through Dave Mills. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to do that again. Uh, so if you get a chance, get a hold of Dave and, and things, but he is constantly uh, trying to put together uh, connections with coaches and things too. He's, he's a great, uh, great resource there as well. Yes. Um, hoping, you know, when you're coming up with like, hope to get him on the podcast too. It's all about uh, timing, as you know, yeah. summer vacations winding down. I know. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. And Mitch, Mitch is a, a, an awesome coach to him and him and uh, Roy Hall. Roy came into our wrestling yep. room, showed our kids how to do freestyle and Greco for free. Didn't, didn't ask for anything. Just, you know, Lonnie Armstrong, we ran a wrestling camp here a few weeks mm-hmm. ago and, and Lonnie came in and spent the day with us just mm-hmm. teaching the kids his experiences with, with, uh, you know, Hey, this worked for us to win a state championship. And mm-hmm. <laughs> <you know>. yeah, <laughs> so. uh, g- great that you mentioned Roy Hall. It was another, cause uh, when Davidson came over to SVL, he was another mentor I reached out to. And Roy is another guy that you think, man, I can't talk to this guy. I mean, this is Roy Hall. And it's like, no, Roy will, he'll, he'll, he'll set you straight pretty much. He'll tell you how it is. He doesn't, doesn't pull any punches. So, no. and you um, know, these younger coaches, they're, they're, some of the things that they're going through might not be exactly the same as what, what other coaches are going through uh, at different levels, but right. they're all, they're all similar. When I met Dan Gable, 
I'll tell you, I walked away with this major lesson was all of our problems are, are the same. They're just, his problems are Olympic size problems. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding you. Listening to him talk, uh, he said, he, you know, we're talking and he mentions just out of the blue, you know, he's mentioning our uh, Olympic weight classes and can you believe, you know, he's freaking out. Can you believe that we've got one, one empty weight class? We can't fill that weight class. And, and it just hit me. I was like, that's, that's crazy. You know, here high school coaches trying to fill the weight classes on mm-hmm. a high school level. And here he is trying to fill the weight classes on an Olympic level. So mm-hmm. we all have similar situations, just our issues, just, just on a different size, you know, Olympics and, uh, and, and listening to Roy Hall and these guys, uh, they've, they've got, they've got the same things that we're going through just on a bigger, bigger scale. Mitch is dealing with winning another state championship, you know, right. having a national champion and, and everything else last week. And <laughs> so. yeah, no, I, I agree. All the problems are similar. It's just the, the depth of the problems are different. Yeah. And, and, and to realize that we all go through these kind of struggles as coaches and, and to really find that. So hopefully, I don't know, that'll probably be a podcast for another time to talk about mentorship and everything else. I hope that people are understanding that these coaches are, are very approachable, whether you contact them through social media or they have their phone number, you text them, they are more than willing to give you um, their time to help be better. So um, I'm going to segue into, so you, you coach you you had a pretty successful child on your team per se. How many how many kids did you had wrestle for you? Uh, well, I've got two that are wrestling for me. Well, one yeah. just graduated. Uh, my other son's a sophomore, um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then my daughter she's our stat girl. So mm-hmm. uh, I have three varsity wrestlers or you know, <laughs> team, teammates. So uh-huh. it's a pretty magical time in the coach's life mm-hmm. uh, to to do that. So describe the. Cause, cause you have your whole family involved in it. Um, oh yeah. Obviously wife, with your, yeah. with, with your uh, competing and, and stats and all that stuff. What's it like? Cause I'm just used to coaching my, my, my daughter's soccer team right now. And they're four and seven right now. So it's a little low, low stakes. <laughs> it, it's the greatest, it's the greatest feeling ever to be able to, 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 I'll tell you what's really special is when you're, when your wife is on the bench, helping with the stats with your daughter, who's on the bench cheering on. And then your youngest son is out on the mat at one Oh three wrestling uh, a kid from Montrose. Who's who you've trained the, you know, we've trained to prepare for that kid all season. And, and here he is, he's wrestling them and big brothers behind the bench, uh, warming up, getting ready to go out on the mat. And, and dad's right on the edge of the mat coaching. It's just, Oh, what a, awesome feeling to see see that happen and play out because as a coach you know and as a dad you you dream about having those opportunities and right. and uh, boy it, it's now is it always magical and fun no it's, it's there's a lot of frustration and and things right. that goes into it there was times one of our coaches coach hoyt uh this this guy just just an awesome person and, and coach hoyt uh, was one of the coaches that wasn't afraid to coach my kid because when you're the head coach and you've got a kid in the program, people are afraid to coach your kid because they don't want to mess it up. <laughs> so, sure. so uh, when it was time for Cal and John when they were little to go out and wrestle, uh, there was no coaches to be found, and I didn't want to coach my kids all the time. I didn't think that that was a great thing to have you as the dad also constantly being critical of your kids. 
Uh, mm-hmm. needed somebody else to be the bad cop sometimes. I wanted to be the good cop. And Coach White would, would always, I'll take him, I'll take him. And he'd take, that, he'd take our uh, son off the side, he'd work with him, he'd, he'd coach him up, and then uh, and, and he wasn't afraid to be critical with him. And, uh, and all the coaches were great coaches with my kids growing up and teaching them how to coach. But uh, Doug was never afraid to just get in there and, and be real critical with them and have those conversations. My mm-hmm. suggestion for you or anyone else when your kids get into that that uh, sport where you're coaching them is have somebody else be the bad cop. You don't have to be the bad cop. Right. Find somebody that's willing to to get in there and do that. But uh, yeah, so Cal's moving on. He's going to wrestle for Alma College. He's, he's that's got, exciting. Yeah, he's got yeah. Coach Tobias in his corner, and uh, Coach Tobias is just a great coach. Oh. Wrestled for U of M, and he's mm-hmm. doing a good good job over there at Alma College. So we're excited about that. Great. The, the, I, I like both those guys and, uh, oh God, what the assistant coach, um, Jer, uh, Grimvald. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Jeremiah, both those coaches are amazing. Coach Tobias, uh, four time state champ for Manchester mm-hmm. and, um, set the pins record in Michigan. And we've had some great conversations where he's just a really good guy that knows wrestling and loves the sport and loves to give back. Um, he's another guy that I would, you know, we're, we're picking all getting all these people on here <laughs> if i could squeeze them all in <laughs> yeah right um but uh that's great that you've had this positive experience with with your with your family being involved with wrestling while you're doing it, it becomes kind of like a family affair so to speak when the winter comes around yeah uh, so yeah so I, I i really like that that dynamic one of the things as we segue towards the end here my um one of my coaching buddies had this question because I he, he said you have to ask him this um, culture building like what's your philosophy on culture building I think you've hit on it a little bit throughout the podcast and I know that for for one of the things you talked about um, when we had our conversation three years ago was rebuilding the wrestling room so if you could kind of talk about culture building and how you recreated the practice room basically to be one of the best in your area. Well, that, uh, that actually, yeah, in 2010, so one, I was, once I kind of uh, made that switch where I was going to be the best assistant coach I could be in things, I, I recognized that Lakeville Wrestling was probably at its lowest point that it had ever been in as far as morale goes and, and uh, culture. And uh, so we needed to start from the beginning. So I was building from the ground up there. And uh I don't know where I got the idea, but I thought we need a wrestling facility. So I started looking on campus for a place to build a pole barn. And uh, one of my former wrestlers, his dad was the head of maintenance at Lakeville. And he got a hold of me and said, hey, uh, they're going to knock this building down on campus. It's in the center of campus across from the football stadium. And uh, he said, I think you should t- talk about uh, trying to get it. So I went to the school board without a plan, just just to just wanting something, you know, I didn't even remember what I asked for, but they said we could have it. We'd have to pay for it. And, uh, come to find out it was all I beam construction. So we could knock down the walls and do whatever we want. We opened it up and, uh, was able to turn it into one of the first standalone wrestling facilities in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, so that, that was something we did that kind of put, uh, put us on the map, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as culture building goes, first thing is you got to know the past. And uh, so I started with the history. I'm a history teacher. I started with the history of Lakeville wrestling. 
I suggest for anyone that wants to really build a program, know your history. Don't be the head coach that comes in or coach that comes in and says our program stinks and I'm going to make it better. Um, when I came in, we were at the lowest point in our history, but we're, we're certainly not at our highest point in our history right now in our program. We're doing well, but it's not the highest point. And, and no alumni, uh, we have a three-time state champ, Stan Marshall. You know, no, mm-hmm. no, no Stan Marshall, no alumni, no one like that, you know, want wants to hear that, uh, that you know your, your program is in shambles and stinks and, and was never good right so uh, part of building the culture is going back and, and, and knowing your history and knowing what uh, what the past heroes were and what they look like and uh, so we rewrote wrote the history of Lakeville wrestling and we put that in the hands of as many people as we could Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then we started making a media guide. We built a media guide. My wife, uh, Julie is very talented in that. We put together, uh, this year it was color copied because we built, uh, we created an alumni association and the alumni got involved and, and they said, yeah, let's make these color copied. So we made color copy media guides. We got them out to, uh, again, we're getting them out to everyone that wants one, uh, businesses, alumni, and it's all about recognition. When you're building culture, when you're building a program, you want to recognize everything. Not every kid is going to be a state champ. Not every alumni was a state champ. Not everybody comes to wrestling to be state champs. So you got to recognize that. So we, mm-hmm. we, we started to, this media guide recognizes not just the state champs, the league champs, uh, first, you know, the, the, the top teams in the history. It recognizes uh, every person that ever wrestled for lakeville is in that book uh we we went through every yearbook we went through every every record book we had and we listed every kid's name that that we could find so Uh when you get that media guide you open it up if you're an alumni and you wrestled for lakeville you're in that book and uh so so building that culture is recognition you got to recognize everyone and if 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 you go into a program with we're only going to recognize the successful top athletes, then it's going to be a pretty small, small group you're catering to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so out of the thousands of kids that come through a wrestling program in a school, how many of them are state champs? How many of them are league champs? You know? So uh, if you're building a culture, what do you want to build your, your, um, your culture on? And I wanted to build it on inclusion and recognition of, of as many people as possible. Uh, we put record boards in the hallways because one of the things that we found was when we, when we moved to a, uh, our own standalone facility, we kind of lost our presence of that kid that walked through the middle school that one day and saw a bunch of kids rolling around on the stage. Right. And uh, so, so we put record boards up in the hallways. Um, we, we put them in the wrestling facility. We put them in the hallways. We put every building in our school has a bulletin board. So uh, in the in in the elementary school, there's a wrestling a bulletin board that we bought that's dedicated just year round for wrestling, and mm-hmm. um, and so so we try to do a lot of that. Just how can we make uh, a Lakeville wrestling presence? And then we said, well, now it's in the school, it's in the facility, but what about the community? So then we got lawn lawn signs and and uh, started putting posters in every restaurant in town and. Uh, you know, so so the next step is getting a bulletin board in every every commercial building in town. Ask if we can uh, purchase a bulletin board and put mm-hmm. it in their facility or in their building, just dedicated to Lakeville wrestling. How about that, <laughs> <laughs> man? I just 
the the work that goes into that but you're right recognition and inclusion is very important because from the four-time state qualifier to the kid that could barely break the varsity lineup they were all a part of something very special being part of the wrestling program yeah and you've done an amazing job of, of doing that in recognition so i hope that answers my question that answers the question for my buddy who was <laughs> He was really geeked. He's like, you got to ask him. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to ask him this because I'm going to have him on. Oh, um, thanks. But you know, th- that's the thing is you're, you're, you're the coach and, and you've got your team. You get to define what success is. And if our definition of success, if you sit down with somebody say, what's, well, win a state championship, you might coach your entire life and never win a state championship. You're going to tell me that you're not a successful person. Uh, so we as coaches and, and teammates, players, we get to define what success is. And uh, so being able to sit down with your coaching staff and your team and saying, what, what are our goals for the season? What does success look like? What's it going to be this year? And, and, and uh, being able to develop that is also part of culture, um, making kids feel empowered and feel like they're, they're winning. So we recognize perfect attendance. Hey, you might lose every match, but guess what? At the end of the season – there's an award for you. Perfect attendance. Control the controllables. What can you, what what can you control? And uh, so everyone can control perfect attendance. Uh, so right. we recognize that. Uh, just just finding ways as a coach to recognize success and and uh, acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. Beyond now, we do focus a lot on. Hey, this is our top top score. This is our MVP. This is our. We have those awards too, but just really trying to focus on every bit of success we have a community service award uh which is also part of our culture is community service uh coach tobias is doing at elma college i'm so as a dad sending my kid to elma i'm so happy because uh i see that they they get it it's not just on the mat uh off that he does a lot of community service so i know my son is is going to learn uh he's going he wants to be a a surgeon so he's going to learn what community service and serving people is all about Right. And uh, just dedicating his life to serving others. And uh, but mm-hmm. I, I get to lean on Coach Tobias for that. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you being on the show. And, and I think you gave a lot of nuggets of wisdom that will hopefully inspire those future coaches to take the lessons that you've learned and run with them. And um, one of the reasons, like I said, I started this podcast was to give those coaches an opportunity, something that, you know, I didn't really have per se to have all these things to, to go to. And, and, I, and I hope it's inspiring others to just, you know, coaching is not just this monolith. Like we, we have different, we all have different ways of how to be successful. And, and I love the way you define what success is and that the head coach really can define what success is. And it has multiple layers to it as you described so eloquently. So I appreciate you having, having you on the show and thank you so much again. Hey, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I look so, so forward to, uh, I, man, I hope you keep this going. I just, uh, I just want to keep growing as a coach too. And uh, so thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate the compliments, Dan. Have a good day. Thanks. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad. <laughs>